Bear on Bears fans, welcome into another edition of the Chicago Bears podcast. Pat the designer, Courtney Cronin, live from Bears practice. Courtney, we got a star-studded show today. You, Rob Domofsky, is going to be joining us as well. This is going to be a fun time inside look at the enemy but first we got to break down what we got coming from bears camp you guys know what to do hit that like button subscribe to the page we do talk chicago sports daily on this channel only channel talking chicago bears how bears fans talk man stop playing with us and drop a bird down y'all already know what to do let's jump into the show quickly here because football's back first things first and we're all excited about tonight but the chicago bears are one step closer to playing the green bay packers that's really what we all care about Where are we at with this Bears team right now, Courtney? Are we at a point where we feel comfortable heading into Green Bay? Yeah, I think for a lot of reasons, this team is just ready because you have a chance to rewrite the script here with this rivalry. This is a team that has not beaten Green Bay in nine tries. The last time is 2018. You had a completely different roster. It was Pat Scales. Eddie Jackson and Cody Whitehair, the three players that we'd spoke that I talked to Eddie Jackson yesterday and Pat Scales, and we talked to Cody earlier in the week. Those are the players who actually have lived the other side of the rivalry, the side that isn't, you know, loss after loss after loss, where it teetered in the other direction, where the Bears actually had control of this thing. And I, I know that it, the rivalry, in a way, not among the fans, but you know, in the general sense, it's kind of lost its luster. So there's an opportunity here that I think these guys certainly feel the magnitude of this and the type of environment that you'd expect at Soldier Field on Sunday, I think would be akin to like a playoff environment. There's a lot of excitement around this team, a lot of unknowns around both teams. So there's, uh, there's definitely that feeling here where it's like, all right, six weeks of training camp, This one can't come soon enough. And, you know, some of the unscouted looks that both teams are going to be showing will then get this team into a rhythm one way or another that they can build off of from week one. But yeah, it's, um, it's certainly the clock is ticking even for all of us. I mean, we're just ready to see real football that will have something to go off of and be able to talk about. When is the last time you were excited for a Detroit game? Like, I can't wait for the Mm -hmm. night to come through with, like, Kansas City, Detroit. I don't know what Pat Mahomes is going to look like without Travis Kelsey out there. Is Kelsey going to find a way to go? There's so much that I'm just like, my head's spinning. It's almost football season. And here's the real question, right? Heading into this Packers game, the main thing that we have been talking about pretty much, I'd say probably the last couple of weeks for sure, but right going into that last preseason game has been about the injury situation mm-hmm. the Chicago Bears have been in. We're seeing that name, that that list, like I said, it shrunk a lot. We went from 21 names to basically four. Three of the guys are limited. One did not practice, of course. Where are we at with the injuries heading into the season? Are we still just Tevin Jenkins is the only one that has a concern? Well, I do. I do. You know, the injury report that came out on Wednesday where you see both Eddie Jackson and Jaquan Brisker limited in practice. Brisker, we know now it's an ankle or it's a groin injury. And Eddie Jackson, we know it's an ankle injury. Nothing else from that collision he had with Michael Pittman. Both of them appear pretty confident that they're going to play this week. It's the one that popped up Thursday that, you know, it has some concern with it. Nate Davis didn't practice today. He was in street or, you know, in street clothes and like a sweatshirt and shorts. He practiced on Wednesday, was not on the injury report. 
So clearly that's something that happened. Either it popped up, he woke up feeling some sort of way that caused him to not be eligible to participate in practice today. Something that happened when he left the facility. Now, when that injury report comes out, because at the time we're filming this is before that injury report drops it too. We'll see. Um, I don't think it's a good sign. And I don't, I think for a number of reasons, because we've been, told the same thing over and over again, like whatever it is, injury wise, he's good. He was dealing with some other things. There was, you know, some ambiguity about what those other things are, but Ryan Poles put that out there last week that he felt like he's in a better place. Him not practicing is not him being in a better place. The game is in three days and your starting right guard is missing in action. Mercedes Lewis was also on a bike. That could be a vet day. It might, I mean, he's 39 years old. I think with him, you have to take, there might be other circumstances that you look into here where his body is different than Nate Davis, who they just signed to a $30 million contract this offseason, not you know in the second part of his career. But I, I do think that there is cause for concern with how much practice he's missed, but also this stop, start, stop, start. Like he's there for a day and he's not there for a day. We'll see what it is on Friday, but I can't imagine many people are, are happy with this situation considering – all that's happened this off season and all that he has not been a part of for the last six weeks. There's, I, I think today's going to be a day of clarity, right? If we see him listed on the injury report, okay, maybe he's dealing with something. We actually have to worry about him being hurt. But at this point, right? Like if he's not on the injury report, I, I almost feel like, like you feel better that he's not hurt, but I almost feel like it's just more fire to the fuel or fuel to the fire of the this guy doesn't like the practice argument i've tried to basically say like i don't know whether it's true or not but we haven't seen him do much and to this Mm -hmm. point right like was he on a bike was he just sitting there kind of just watching practice go by yeah he wasn't he wasn't like right up with the offensive line where it'd be like okay mental reps the whole thing he was to the side far enough away that there was, you know, considerable gap between him and the rest of the offensive line as they went through individual blocking drills. And whether that's by design or not, I, I just look at that and I would be concerned if I'm the bears know about his availability for Sunday. Now, you know, if he misses practice, he will be on the injury report. They have to account for him. And I mean, of course we'll know more about what it is here shortly, but it's, by and large, him missing practice, I think, is a, is a concerning thing because when you hear what coaches have said, what Matt Eberflus said last week when I asked him about Nate Davis and, like, you know, what did you see? Like, do you have any sort of con- – not concern. I didn't phrase it that way. But, you know, you haven't seen this guy practice. You brought him in here because you liked who he was. You saw him twice a year when you were with Indy and he was with Tennessee. He was their best offensive lineman last year. It's not shocking to say that. he You know, he's a above-average guard who became available in free agency. If, if, if the bears didn't see something, they wouldn't have signed him, but they signed him also not knowing how he would respond to this system, to being here in Chicago, where maybe things are required that, you know, different things are required of players here than maybe somewhere else. And again, I just, there's a lot of, there's a lot of reading between the lines here to do with Nate Davis this off season about why he, because it's not solely injury related. They have told us through their comments, it is not solely injury related. So is it that, you know, the system here doesn't really fit that he's not buying into what he wants, you know, what the bears want from him or what he thought he was signing up for. 
all of that, all of those questions are fair because they put it out there that it wasn't just injury related. So you have to ask those questions then when it's three days before a game that will help you a win, rewrite to take some of that power back from the Green Bay Packers. When you have a team that the majority of guys have never beaten Green Bay and your starting right guard isn't there and you know that pass protection is such a pivotal part of helping Justin Fields grow in year three, I think it's it's alarming. And it's okay to be looking at this wondering, all right, well, what's going on? What's the situation? Is there any clarity on any of this? Because it's it's not a good look. It's not a good look from top to bottom that he's not out there. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's a situation that continues to be ongoing, and it, it's one that hopefully, right, like I keep saying this, listen, I don't care. At the end of the day, when AI did the whole practice thing, you know why I didn't care about AI practicing? Because he could go out there and put up 25 a night in his sleep. So if Nate Davis can go put out all pro performances without uh, any practice during the week, Maybe this is all for nothing and we'll all be excited at the end. But we do want to welcome into the show somebody who also knows about uh, offensive linemen spending some time due to injury not on the field. Rob Domofsky from ESPN covering the Green Bay Packers. Ladies and gentlemen, our Eye on the Enemy episode is live. Rob, how are you? I'm good. How are you guys? Good. We, we're Good. dealing with our, our offensive linemen falling apart, basically. Yeah, Pat's a little upset about that, but uh, I think by and large, we're all ready for a real game to happen and that the we can finally put a bow on everything that's happened the last six weeks here. I would say that's pretty universal across the league, I would think. Yeah. Well, it, it's so interesting, and I appreciate you coming on the show, but the fact that we're kind of dealing with a lot of similar things on both sides as we're heading into very similar situations in this game, kind of restarting the rivalry here, hopefully for the Bears in, in our favor, unfortunately for the Packers. That, that's my hope anyway. Uh, but with what the Packers have coming in right now, right, brand-new quarterback, a uh, 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 lot, lot of – changes happening up in Green Bay and now having to deal with the possibility of not having your top two receivers out there ready to go and possibly some issues with David Bakhtiari on the offensive line. Where's the where's the feeling around this Packers team coming into week one right now? Are they feeling pretty confident up there heading down to Chicago or is there a little bit of concern around them? Yeah, first of all, with Bakhtiari, is he's playing. Like, he's just never going to practice. That's just the deal. Like, he's just not going to practice. <laughs> he's um, okay, all right. We got Charles it. Woodson did it. Charles Woodson uh, won a Defensive Player of the Year award here doing that. Chad Clifton played several years of Pro Bowl left tackle doing that. Um, they're just not – it's just not going to practice. He practiced probably maybe, I don't know, 20% of the training camp practices. Um, so I don't think there's huge concern there. Okay. Um, but you're right about the receiving. This was going to be a questionable receiving group as it was, given that the only two guys that had played any meaningful NFL snaps in the receiving group were Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs, and they were rookies last year. Uh, their only other receiver that had had any experience in the league was Samari Toure, who played 100 snaps last year as a rookie seventh-round pick. Now, Samari Toure could be the most experienced guy uh, on the field if Dobbs and Watson don't play. I will say, though, that um, Dobbs did practice on Thursday, um, so I, you know that's a pretty good sign for him to play. But without Christian Watson, who was not, nowhere to be seen, uh, you know, you lose the, the one deep threat that they have. Now, on the flip side, I will say this. 
They haven't really connected on many deep balls in training camp, so I'm not sure how much that would have helped anyway. I mean, Watson's a dynamic player, don't get me wrong. Right. But remember the first play of last year, um, Packers at Vikings, mm-hmm. the first play of the first drive of the first game of the season, Rodgers th- throws a 75-yarder to uh, Christian Watson, and he drops it, right? Like, uh, you know, I actually asked Jordan Love yesterday if he would like the, uh, the that play call to be dialed up for the first for the first play this year. And he said, yeah, we'd love to take a shot. They haven't hit on many of them. So um, I think in general, though, this is a, a sort of a rejuvenated team, if that makes any sense. There's just, it, there's a, it's just a very light, loose group that maybe is embracing the fact that there's not a lot of people that think they're very good. And the other thing is they're just so young. Bakhtiari is the oldest guy on the, on the team. And he's, what is he, 32? I think they only have two other guys that are over the age of 30. Um, you know, otherwise it's going to be the youngest roster in the NFL. Yeah. The bears are pretty young too. So they have those same sorts of, there's a lot of comparisons between guys who have been around, who have done this, who have experienced not only NFL games, but the magnitude of the one coming up on Sunday. Um, I feel like there's more parallels here than we've seen in previous years, but you know, before we jump further into kind of what's at stake, with the receiver injuries, I mean, how, how much do you factor in Jaden Reed into this game plan, but also everything that we've heard this off season about their tight end acquisitions and how many draft picks they spent with Luke Musgrave and and Tucker Craft? are they going to end up going a lot more 12 personnel? Are they going to end up going heavier to try to, you know, create some of those throws for Jordan love over the middle of the field? Is that the workaround to not having your top two receivers? Well, first of all, with Jaden Reed, I mean, uh, this is a dynamic guy, a second-round pick to be a slot receiver. And and you guys know the Packers have not drafted a, a receiver in the first round since Javon Walker in 2002. Um, and everyone's kind of gotten on him for that. But they've done unbelievably well in the second round. Like, we're talking about Greg Jennings, uh, Devontae Adams, Randall Cobb, Jordy Nelson, uh, Christian Watson, um, and, and now Jaden Reed. So, I mean, like – Jaden Reed is going to play and he's going to play a big role. They have added an element of speed with him and Luke Musgrave, the tight end you mentioned. He was another second round pick. They had multiple second round picks. Um, Luke Musgrave probably runs better as a tight end around than anyone I've seen around here since Jermichael Finley. Uh, you know, n- no disrespect to Robert Tunyon, who had a couple of really good seasons here, but Robert Tunyon was an undrafted free agent. Uh, this kid, Musgrave's a second round pick, ran a 4 6 40. Um, he looks like a receiver in a tight end's body. And, and you mentioned um, the, the 12 personnel, the two tight ends. Um, actually, ESPN Stats and Info sent me this for a piece I was working on just about how their offense could change with uh, Jordan Love at the helm. The Packers actually ran the fifth most two tight end personnel, uh, two tight ends, two receivers, and a running back, the fifth most in the league um, during the Matt LaFleur era, which is 2019 to 2022. And um, that could just end up being a bigger staple of what they're trying to do. Now, Rob, when you when I look at what I've seen from the Packers, right? There's a lot of Packers fans who are very listen, you I've been there. You got to build your excitement around a quarterback that maybe yeah. you won't have the most excitement around. I've spent my life doing that pretty much, right? <laughs> but I don't like the laugh, Rob. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> but, hey, I, I grew up in Chicago. I, I know. I know what you're doing. I know what you're feeling. The laugh hurt a little bit. You know, I felt that. I felt that one. But realistically, right when you when you look at what I've seen from the Packers, to me, the offensive line has been the thing that I've looked at and said, yeah. while Jordan Love may not be great, 
Yeah. When I see this offensive line standing in front of him, he's good enough to take advantage yeah. of the protection that they're giving him. Where is the feeling around this offensive line? One of the top offensive lines yeah. last season coming into this season, is there that same feeling of, yep, these guys are going to be able to go out there and give Jordan Love the protection he needs. That's what we're going to rely on for this offense kind of the, to keep going. One of the uh, biggest strengths of this team is their blocking. Um, they were top five, I believe, in both pass blocking and run blocking win rate last season. Um, that's another ESPN stat. It's um, th they're, they're so good on the left side with Bakhtiari that's and Elton Jenkins. You got a, an all pro and a pro bowler. Um, you know, th they're going to have one new starting offensive lineman, Zach Tom, who's probably going to be their right tackle. Uh, he was a draft pick uh, a year ago. Uh, really, really high on him. And then John Runyon uh, Jr. is going to be at right guard, just really a solid, steady guy. They had a center competition. It looks like Josh Myers is still going to be the starting center. That may be a tad shaky. But, uh, you know, they, you have an offensive line and you have two really experienced running backs in Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. If, if you're Jordan Love, you know, what deficiencies you may have in terms of experience at the, the pass-catching positions – it's made up for an experience and reliability on the offensive line of the running backs. And look, let's not forget Aaron Jones caught what 50 some passes last year as essentially a running back. Now they have split him out when they have had two backs on the field with AJ Dillon in the backfield, and moving Aaron Jones around. So um, there are some things in this offense that will carry over from what they did with Aaron Rodgers. And, and you know, you talk about the offensive line, um, or, uh, love played boy, off the top of my head. I think he played, eight or 10 series this preseason, maybe not even that many. Uh, and he was not, I don't think he was sacked. I think he maybe was hit one time. Yeah. Um, you know, you never know in practice what blocking is really like, because as soon as anybody's near the quarterback, they just kill the play, but he wasn't under pressure a lot in, in practice. And these guys have some pretty good pass rushers. The one thing that I think is going to be really interesting is the one start that, that he has and, and they put on film was 2021 at Kansas city when Rogers had COVID they blitzed, uh, the Chiefs did, they blitzed like crazy, and Jordan Love, he just wasn't ready for it. They weren't ready for it from a protection standpoint. Matt LaFleur said he didn't have a very good blocking plan for it. Uh, so, you know, I mean, maybe they'll try to go after him, uh, and they'll try to send pressure at him and see how he reacts to that. Okay, before we move on, since we are talking running backs a little bit, I've got to ask because I know it was a blip on the radar and it's null and void, but the Jonathan Taylor thing, yeah. Green Bay being the mystery team, yeah. how, are they, how were they? What was the theory here of them using him? Who goes? Right. Who stays? What would right. that have looked like with him in their offense? Well, I, I don't know that it's necessarily like um... – dead and gone. I mean, they can still trade him right up until the trade deadline. Um, you know, at first, um, I didn't think it made a whole lot of sense. And, and I wondered if maybe the Colts or Taylor's agent were using the Packers as, you know, leverage, right, to try to get Miami to up their offer or, uh, you know, uh, but uh, on a deeper look, Courtney, it, it makes some sense because Aaron Jones is in his, I believe, seventh year. Mm -hmm. he's, he's making a lot of money. He's he still, pay cut. yeah, he's, he took a pay cut, but he's still making a lot of money and he's supposed to make a lot of money next year. Um, you never know. Like once you get to that stage, I mean, the running backs can, can fall off and, and I don't know that he'll be on this team next year, depending on, you know, how productive he is. And AJ Dillon is a free agent. And if he has a really good year, they're probably not going to pay him. If he, if he doesn't have a great year, which he didn't have a great year last year, then they probably let him go. Or, or just bring them back on a lower salary if the market dictates that. So, so adding another young running back um, long-term 
uh, you know, it makes sense. It doesn't make sense for this year because everything that general manager Brian Gutekunst has done has told us that they're rebuilding. Like they haven't spent money on veteran backup receiver or veteran backup quarterback, veteran receiver, a veteran tight end. They spent no money on any of those, those positions, which tells you that they're just trying to sort of cut their losses with the Rogers cap hit of $40 million this year. And then, Start with young guys, see what you have, and then next year they'll be in a much better position. But uh, maybe they're looking at Jonathan Taylor as a guy who who comes in this year, and they, they do a contract extension so it lessens some of the money, uh, the cap hit this year, but gives them some more upfront money. I, I think it's not – I'm not totally willing to rule it out, but it does not necessarily fit with what Gutekunst has put together for th- this year. Mm-hmm. And to be honest with you, his his history shows you that he really – hasn't gone after that many of those guys. We got Rob Domofsky joining Path of Designer, Courtney Cronin here on the Chicago Bears podcast. Love having this kind of insight into what's happening on the other side. Of course, right, a lot of Bears fans get riled up for this rivalry. And and is it the same in Packers Nation right now? Is that kind of what you're seeing? Because the Bears fan side of this is we're just – itching to get on the other side. And I feel like right. the Packers fan side of things is now like, yeah, we're kind of used to winning. This isn't like, – <laughs> we're not getting excited for this game. Yeah, What's- Pat, it's – um, you know, it, it, I think it's different right now because Packers fans don't know what th- to expect, right? Like, they just don't know what, what Jordan Love's going to be. Uh, you know, the records that Rodgers and Favre had against the Bears was, you know, it was unbelievable. They completely okay. flipped, flipped the series. Rodgers was, what, 24-5, and five, I believe, mm-hmm. against the Bears – um, you know, and when he said, you know, I own you, I still own you. It's hard to argue with him. Right. Yeah. Um, it would be really interesting to me um, if, for example, Bears fans are thinking, and I don't know if they're thinking this, but maybe they are that. All right. We dealt with Favre, dealt with Rogers. They're gone. Now we've got a chance right now. We have, maybe we have our quarterback in Justin Fields. Wouldn't it be something if Jordan Love just went down there and hung you know, like a big win on them, and then they're like, oh, boy, not another Packers quarterback. I'm not saying it'll happen. I don't know if they think that way, but it would really be an interesting storyline. Mm-hmm. <laughs> are, are the – I guess the biggest question, right, when we start to look at this game, what is this Packers defense going to be? We talk <laughs> about the names. Me and Courtney yeah. have talked multiple times about how many names are on the other side of this thing. Defensive yep. line seems like they have some dogs out there, yep. but realistically they just haven't been able to put it all together. It, no. It's been a, a continuous like, I see he's good, he's good, he's yep. good, but they're not good together. It feels like... I don't, yeah, you know, I don't know if there's any team that's put more resources, uh, draft capital into their defense. Uh, when healthy, they'll have eight first-round picks on the defensive side of the ball. One of them, Eric Stokes is not going to play. He's on PUP, but this is still a defense loaded with talent. And they had most of those first round picks last year. I think the only um, offensive player that Brian Gutekunst has used a first round pick on since he's been the general manager is Jordan Love. Everything else has been first round picks, been defense, defense, defense all the way yet. You know, it just has not come together. And this is not a new issue in green Bay. It's not a new issue to uh, to Matt Lafleur, it's not a new issue. The Mike McCarthy, they had a, a really good defense when they won the Super Bowl in 2010. Uh, you know, really, really good with guys like Woodson and and Clay Matthews and B.J. Raji, Sam Shields, a cornerback. They had uh, Nick Collins at safety. They had a really, really good defense. Uh, but it was more because of the way they played together than the individual talent. Uh, and the next year, 
they went 15 and one and had the 32nd ranked pass defense in the league. Like they just couldn't stop anybody. And then ultimately that's why they didn't go back to the Super Bowl the next year. Um, so it, it's been sort of an ongoing issue. Um, Joe Barry was an interesting choice as coordinator because his record as a, as a defensive coordinator was quite frankly, not good bottom part of the league. They were dead last one, one or two of his years when he was in Detroit, he was also uh, pretty low in the rankings at Washington, but he had never had talent like this. And that was sort of the feeling last year was this was going to be a really talented defense. And it just didn't come together. Um, it, it did midway late, about week 10 or 11. It, it sort of did. Uh, but by then they were so far out of it that it probably didn't really matter. Um, Joe Barry said, he goes, look, we can't waste games. We cannot wait till week 10 to play better. And what does that mean? Well, it probably means letting Jair Alexander cover number one receivers um, wherever they go, which they did not do till late in the year. It probably means, um, you know, maybe blitzing a little bit more and playing more man, which they're not a big, they were not a big blitz, not a big man team. Um, but you mentioned the defensive line. That might be where the biggest difference is. They, uh, they couldn't stop the run last year, 26 against the run. They've been bad against the run for years. Um, Justin Fields had, had that big one. Was it 50 some yards against them in Chicago last year? Uh, so it's, um, it's a concern, but they made an interesting move on the defensive line. They let two veteran guys go, Dean Lowry and Jaron Reed, let them sign elsewhere in free agents in free agency. Those were steady guys. They were always reliable, not overly spectacular. Um, they played with Kenny Clark, who's obviously a pro bowler. Now they're going really young at the other two spots. Devontae Wyatt was their first-round pick, one of their two first-round picks in uh, 2022. Uh, he, he really didn't play much as a rookie uh, last year, played a little bit late in the year and showed flashes. And then TJ Slayton's going to be their other uh, defensive lineman. He's number 93. I, I would tell you this, keep an eye out on 93 because he might be the most interesting, you know, un, unknown player on this defense. He's got a ton of energy. They're so much faster, so much younger, so much more athletic with those two guys on the defensive front that maybe, just maybe, that's the answer to their run defensive problems. What did Joe Barry learn from that Philly game? Because listen I remember – we- Listen to your players, maybe. <laughs> you know, listen <laughs> listen to Jair and he wants to cover, uh, you know, like the best guy man-to-man. Uh, yeah. And, man, and, and, you know what? You need Rashawn Gary on the field too. Sorry mm-hmm. I didn't cut you off, Courtney. But no, no that, that's like, where I wanted to go with that. Yeah, like, Is he like healthy? Terry, Jair Alexander just basically begged all year. Give you know the Justin Jefferson just toasted sure. the Packers the, the first week, and Jair Alexander covered him like twice. You know by the end of the year, the week seventeen I think it was, um, Jair covered Justin Jefferson in the rematch up here in Green Bay, and Jefferson had one catch for fifteen yards. Like some sometimes it's just simple. Like you know this game doesn't have to be overly complicated. Uh, sometimes you just got to do the simple thing. And Jair Alexander is back to being a really, you know, he's healthy, he's, he's a really good player. Um, and sometimes you just have to listen to your players a little bit. And I think Joe Barry sort of did that. I wrote a story early in camp, but um, Joe Barry basically pulled the defense together after the season. You know, they normally have exit interviews that are individual. You meet with your position coach and then you get out of town. Joe Barry pulled the whole defense together and said, look, what do you guys want? And, and I will take what you want and I'll go to Matt LaFleur and we'll come up with a plan. And they did that. Um, you know, whether it works or not, you know, when have you ever heard anybody in the offseason say, we want to be less aggressive? They're talking about how they want to be more aggressive. No one ever says you want to be less aggressive, so it's a little cliched. But they do – the players want to be more aggressive for whatever that means. What's that outlook then for Rashawn Gary? Because I know the injuries have been a concern mm-hmm. for him throughout the early part of his career. Is he – he's good to go? He's going to be yeah. playing? He's- well, he's going to be on a rep count. Uh, Courtney, this will be his first – he didn't play at all in preseason. He tore his ACL last November at Detroit. 
Um, this might be one of the fastest ACL recoveries um, that, that I've seen up here. Uh, their team doctor, Dr. McKenzie, is, is absolutely fantastic with, with ACLs, but he's very conservative. I mean, guys, he usually doesn't let a guy, you know, even start practicing till you know, 10, 11, 10 months usually, uh, maybe nine if you're, if you're at a fast track. And Rashawn Gary's been back. Um, he didn't play in the preseason games, but, man, in practice – he was so good um, winning his one-on-ones and, and getting, you know, just beating guys up front. Um, but, you know, he's, he is going to be on a rep count. It is going to be his first real game action since uh, basically right almost exactly 10 months ago. So, um, you know, it's, it's the, but their pass rush really suffered when he went off the field in, in the end of the year. And, you know, Preston Smith's a really good player, but you can double team anybody, right? Like, so if, if Rashawn Gary's out there, and if they play their first-round pick, Lucas Van Ness, who, who really hasn't shown a ton in camp, but somehow they'd like to play all three of those guys together, um, that could also be a, an interesting look for this defense. Now, the, my favorite part about doing a podcast is, right, podcasts can go everywhere. And, of course, we want to get to our predictions, all of that, what our expectations are in the game. But I want to get to know Rob a little bit, right? I don't get these opportunities <laughs> to meet all these people in person all the time, right? So I'm going to ask a, a little bit of personal question, okay. Rob, because – I love the work you do. I love seeing you on Rich Eisen, right? Seeing you hit all these shows and how you break down the game. You almost make me um, interested in the past. <laughs> almost. For you, where something clicked in your mind and you said, you know what? I really love this game. I want to cover this game. What was that moment for you growing up in your life where you were like, football is it for me? Can I be honest with you? Just do it. I don't really like football. I swear to God, I don't really like football. I, uh, I'm a basketball guy. Um, I feel like I feel like I know a lot about football now from covering it, but I also feel like it helps me because I don't care who wins or loses. Like I feel like that helps me do my job better. Um, I don't have any, you know, I don't have any rooting interest in, in any of these teams really. Um, but I want to tell stories. I want to break news. Um, so it's really not about for me. It's not about the X's and O's. There was a funny story that when. Uh, Brett Favre was early in his time as the Packers starting quarterback and they were in a meeting and well, I think it was Fritz Shermer was a defensive coordinator. or I'm sorry. Um, it was, it was Steve Mariucci was the quarterback's coach, maybe offensive coordinator. I can't remember. And they said something about, well, the, this team's going to play a nickel defense and Favre goes, what's a nickel defense. And he's like, you know, when they put a third, a, a third corner, a fifth defensive back, and he goes, oh, I know what that is. I didn't know it was called the nickel defense. Like, to me, that part of the game, I'm with Brett on. I, I don't care what you call it or, or whatever. Um, when Courtney brought up 12 personnel the, the, earlier, I had to make sure that I knew what 12 personnel was. <laughs> um, uh, but, like, I just – I don't really care for football. I'll be perfectly honest with you. I don't watch college football at all. Now, I haven't watched more than a quarter of a college football game in probably 10 years. So, uh, but your Saturdays have also been busy last, I don't know, 10 years with AAU tournaments. Rob's son plays college basketball and his other one is in, is in high school still and state champion basketball players. Like you, you have a lot on your plate outside of the Packers. Yeah. And, and just like growing up in Chicago, I mean, what good college, I grew up in the seventies and eighties in Chicago. What good college football team was there? I mean, Northwestern had like a 30 some game losing streak at that time. I was a DePaul basketball fan because that's where my dad went to school. So you had to hate Illinois and Notre Dame and all those I mean, from a basketball standpoint, not a football standpoint. And the Bears, when I was a freshman in high school, um, the Bears did win uh, the Super Bowl 85 season. But, you know, I remember I had a freshman basketball game 
that day. Uh, it was a, a Super Bowl Sunday. And back then, the Super Bowl wasn't played at like 5 o'clock. It was played at like 1 o'clock. And all of my teammates were like, I don't want to play this freshman basketball game. Uh, you know, I want to go home and watch the Super Bowl. I was like, let's, let's hoop, man. <laughs> I, I love that. I'm not going to lie to you. That's not the answer I expect. So who's your go-to NBA team then? Are you Bulls? Bulls yeah, I mean, like, uh, here's my deal. And having covered, you know, sports, I root for people that I've met along the way that have been really nice to me. Um, that's my rooting interest. Um, you know, like, um, I got to know, I, was, I covered college basketball up, up here in Green Bay, uh, Wisconsin Green Bay, who was really good in the 90s, and Dick Bennett and Tony Bennett and all those guys were here. And they were in the same conference as Butler. I got to know Brad Stevens really well uh, and but before Butler became big time. I'll root for wherever Brad Stevens is coaching. <laughs> I'm rooting for them because he's a good dude. Um, that's sort of how I root in, in sports. I went to Ohio University. Um, and, uh, my best friend, one of my best friends is the head basketball coach at Toledo, uh, which is in the same conference. If Ohio U is playing Toledo, I'm rooting for Toledo because that, because my buddy's the coach there. Not cause I went, I don't, you know, I'm putting my friend over my alma mater. That's how I root for sports. So what, what, what year is this for you on the Packers beat? I can't do the 98, Well, I'm really bad at math, but my first season was the 97 season. Okay. Um, I didn't cover training camp that year. I started in, uh, in 90, September of 97. Um, so it, it was, that would be what this is. This gotta be 26 or 27th season. Yeah. Um, so it's, I, it spans three decades though. Yeah. I, um, right. There. Like I, I, uh, got here in green Bay the year after Favre won his Super Bowl. They did go back to the mm-hmm. Super Bowl my first year on the beat and lost to the Broncos. They were a 14 point favorite and John Elway helicoptered into the, <laughs> into the end zone. And, uh, you know, that's what everyone remembers John Elway for. That's not what I remember John Elway for. That's maybe a story for another time. <laughs> I was going to say, which story is that now? What do we remember Elway for? No, I just, so, how, but I got to ask, how different is it now? Because I mean, you had quarterback stability. You knew yeah. what the you knew that that was the one position there was never going to be question marks around, unless yeah. there was off the field stuff, yeah. or you know whether your quarterback's going to show up to training camp right. as of two years ago. Yeah. Now having the unknown with Jordan Love, like, how does that change from a coverage perspective yeah. of what you do in covering this team every yeah. day? Well, I've been on SportsCenter a lot less uh, the last uh, six months six months since they traded them, I think. Uh, but I, I think that's indicative of what the national feeling is about the Packers, is that nobody knows, right? Like, this is similar to, to 08. I mean, we really didn't know for sure in 08 that Aaron Rodgers was going to be, you know, what he turned out to be. Mm-hmm. Um, he had shown in, to, in 2007 he had uh, filled in uh, when Favre got hurt in Dallas and they were down big in a game down in Dallas in, uh, in 19, or, uh, 2007, they didn't win the game, but they Rogers rallied him back and played really well. And, you know, the story goes that Ted Thompson and Mike McCarthy got on the plane that night to come home from Dallas. And they said, well, yeah, Rogers is going to, he's, he's the guy whenever, whenever he's read, whenever Favre's done, he's the guy. And then Favre, they kind of forced Favre into retirement the next off season. But um, we still didn't know um, in, in the 08. In fact, the year, that was the year that Favre unretired, wanted to come back, flew into Green Bay the night that they were having their practice. They have this uh, family night practice in Lambeau Field, 70,000 people. Favre flew in that night basically to force the Packers' hand, and fans were booing Rodgers, and, and the news was showing Favre's plane coming in, and people were cheering in the stadium, cheering the landing of the plane while Rodgers was going out there. And Rodgers was terrible through a bunch of interceptions. I mean, how could you blame him for that, right? Um, but this is totally different in the sense that um, there's really nobody left pining 
for Aaron Rodgers. I mean, I, I, I think he, in, in some ways, wore out his welcome a little bit just with, you know, uh, maybe he's just a different dude. And, and if, if people didn't like that, you know, I guess that's why. But the other difference is they were 13-3 and three in Favre's last year, and everyone wanted Favre again. Last year they were eight and nine, and it's it's a lot easier to like a quarterback when uh, you know maybe if you don't like his off the field stuff, but when he wins thirteen games, than it is when he wins eight. And I think that's ultimately why the Packers moved on, and maybe why fans aren't pining for uh, for Aaron Rodgers. Now, if the Packers are zero and four in a month, and Jordan Love you know stinks it up, then maybe that's different. Yeah, it, it's always the my uh, my my I'm very much like Barstool where. My Super Bowl every year was listening in to uh, Green Bay Radio after Aaron <laughs> Rodgers would lose a, you know, playoff game, and just hearing all the fans who have no idea what it's like to have a quarterback growing up in yeah. Chicago, yeah. now seeing what's happening in Green Bay. Does it feel very similar? Where it's like, listen, we got these guys on defense. If we run the football, yeah. and Jordan Love just doesn't mess it up. We can right. still go to the playoffs. Part of it, though, I think, Pat, is like there's almost like uh, an entitled, egotistical feeling up here that oh, there's no question they're going to get a they're going to get it right. They're going to this guy's going to be great because the, the previous two guys were great, and we and we're Green Bay, and you know we know how to find quarterbacks. Like I mean, that, I really believe there's some people up here, whether it's you know more outside the organization than in that just take this stuff for granted. I mean, I, I remember. I think it was McCarthy at one point late and later in his time. Um, you know, the, everyone calls uh, calls this title town. Um, there was an article in Sports Illustrated uh, about you know sort of the the Packers hadn't won a Super Bowl in a while, and I believe the headline was "Entitled Town." People here are entitled. Uh, Mike McCarthy that drove Mike McCarthy nuts. Um, you know, Mike McCarthy's a guy who went to what five NFC Championship games as a coach here. Um, only won one of them, but you know I, how many people and how many teams would kill to have one Super Bowl? Um, you know, and let alone and they have two with those two quarterbacks, and people think that that was a, a waste or underachieving. But there's a lot of teams that would would have would love to have two Super Bowls in the last uh, two Super Bowl wins, three Super Bowl appearances in the last thirty years. All right, before we wrap up here, since you mentioned McCarthy, I've got to ask about the expectation this year, him taking over play calling in Dallas. You were around him for his entire time in Green Bay. And the idea that he, in the role of being the one to communicate with the quarterback, he can simplify things for them. Like, What do you think realistic expectations are for him now being the voice for Dak and being the you know being the yeah. offensive mind taking over I was play su- duties. I was surprised Courtney when when he took the job that he wasn't going to call plays right away and I think you know obviously my guess is that from what it sounds like that uh, Jerry Jones made him keep Kellen Moore uh, as the play caller because Mike McCarthy gave up play calling briefly in 2015 um, if you remember that was the year mm-hmm. after they lost the NFC championship game at Seattle and they had like a total meltdown and McCarthy mm-hmm. thought that maybe he needed to spend more time helping out um, special teams and defense. So he gave up play calling for 12 weeks, and he took it over, coincidentally, against Dallas um, that, that year, week 13, I think it was. And I remember him saying at that offseason, I will never not call plays again. Like, I will always call plays. He, he, that was what he made his mark on. He made his mark as a quarterback's coach, teaching fundamentals. I mean, this is a guy who coached Joe Montana in Kansas City, um, this guy, he's been around, you know, a lot of good quarterbacks. Um, and you know, I was a little surprised. So when he took the job, I also was a little surprised that they weren't able to get Dak's interceptions down because, um, 
McCarthy did that here. Favre in 05, Mike Sherman's last year, I think Favre threw 29 picks that year. The next year under McCarthy, I think he threw 13 or something like that. Like they had cut it more than in half. And I think that's where McCarthy could make the biggest, um, you know, biggest difference is, is just getting Dak to, you know, it's, look, some interceptions, they're tip balls. You're not going to prevent them. And, and Dak's had some of those too. Uh, but I, I just think maybe that's where it will, you know, it will work out a, a little bit better for, for McCarthy um, and, and for Dak. Uh, but if it doesn't go right, I mean, you know, it's Dallas. Like, I mean, the, the leash <laughs> might be short down there. But, um, you know, I think that's going to be one of the real interesting storylines of this whole season. Rob Domoski joining the Chicago Bears podcast. Appreciate you coming in. Before we let you go, what is your prediction for what's going to happen this Sunday here in Soldier Field? Is Jordan Love going to be the next coming of Aaron Rodgers, Brett Favre, or yeah. is there something a little more tempered in your mind? Well, uh, uh, boy, earlier in the week, <laughs> I was pretty sure I was going to pick the Packers, but that was before Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs ended up being, you know, sh- their status being shaky. So I'm, I'm, I'm a lot more hesitant to pick the Packers. Given that, I just think that it'd be too much, almost just too much to ask Jordan Love in a first start to have to do it without those two guys. So um, that's the way I would lean right now, um, but I reserve my right to change it before kickoff. If, if Jordan Love goes off for 500 yards, yeah, yeah, it's happened before. Don't worry. No, but I uh, appreciate you joining the show, Rob. Hope to have you back on. Uh, we don't play you guys again for a while, but love the football insight and yeah. uh, really appreciate you coming on. Thanks, guys. I think it's week 18, right? Is the re- 17 week 18 or 18? Week 1 to week 18. Yeah. It's going to be cold yeah. up there. Not looking well, forward to the uh, climate conditions walking from that far lot into the stadium this year. I think you might be a little closer this year. Good. Good. Thanks for ordering that one up for us. Hey, as always, this is uh, Pat the Designer, Courtney Cronin, joined by Rob Domofsky. Appreciate you guys for showing love to another edition of the Chicago Bears podcast. Hit that like button. Subscribe to the page. You guys know what to do. Leave a five-star review. Y'all stay safe out there, Chicago. Let's hope the Bears get a win here on Sunday and uh, have give Rob something interesting to write about. Bear down. Peace.